Hey guys, Pat here. So we're going to run a repeat episode this week. Kat's been super busy. I've been super busy. Holidays are coming up, all of that stuff. Uh, so we're going to run an old episode from March of 2021. It's called Be a Great Co-op Agent. And in it, Kat gets into, um, well, she vents a little bit at the beginning <laughs> And uh, that's always fun to hear and stuff. But, but, you know, we're getting into the new year. It's a, you know, a time of giving and a time of uh, giving back and all of those things. And so we thought, you know, uh, a a co-op agent episode about, you know, being friendly and doing things the right way to your other fellow agents is always a good way to kick off the new year. So we're going to run this episode. And then next week, um, Kat and I will be back with a brand new episode for you. And uh, we talked to Kayla a couple weeks ago, saw her. She's doing very, very well. Her little baby Palmer is doing very, very well. She's excited to get back to work and back to the podcast. And uh, she'll be back here soon enough. So in the meantime, go ahead and take a listen to this episode if you haven't heard it. And we will be back next week. Okay. See you guys. This is a Think Live Be production. So, and just just frustrations with this market and um, dealing with other agents and. You know, there's something about like being a good co-op agent that I think a lot of people don't think about. And maybe it's because they don't think of this as a career or like they don't think of themselves in the business long term and how this impacts their like what I what people think of them or maybe they don't care. Yeah, I don't know. But we're just running into a lot of things and I'm sure we're not alone where there's just, you know, people, especially with these highest and best situations where you know, we're, we're being told that we're, we're holding off. We're going to do highest and best by a certain date and time. And then that date and time comes and passes and no, no word, not a, not a rejection, not a counteroffer, not a anything. And, you know, we're, we're left looking really bad for our clients and making the whole industry look like a joke. It's embarrassing. So, and then that's just one example that we're still, the house is still active. It's been two weeks. What? Yeah, we've made, we made an offer like immediately. Um, first, we couldn't get in to see it, which I understand, you know, the sellers have to approve showings and mm-hmm. stuff. But this was, this was, oh, well, I won't get into the weeds on the details in case anybody's listening. <laughs> no one's listening. <laughs> no one's listening. <laughs> Certainly not this particular agent. He's not listening. Um, if he was, we wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> right. He is. Sur- I, ju- I do not think he's seeking his best. I think he just is doing whatever. He's like he's just with where he's at. He's rolling through. Well, you know, I don't know if it's like a limited service thing or what, what exactly it is. But, you know, I get that when you want to schedule a showing, we're at the mercy. Like buyers don't understand you know, they think they, they can just get in the door. And we talked about with the changes in the industry, in some cases they can, right? And they're kind of becoming accustomed to this, like, well, I can just go open an app on my phone and go get in the house. But in reality, especially with occupied homes, you've got to first, I've got to make sure I can get to you. Mm-hmm. Like as the agent, like I, ha- I have a life too. I have to be able to show the buyer the home when they're available, when I'm an- available. Then you've got to schedule the showing with the other agent who may or may not have any systems in place to schedule showings. So you call. You're just leaving a message I'm leaving on someone's a message, cell phone. And then you just wait to hear back. Yeah, that could be a full day right there, just right. waiting to hear back from someone. You don't know. They could be good. Sometimes be a, more than that. They're at the beach. Right. And they turn their phone off. Right. Or they're having a, a, a breakup and they're, they're in the middle of, or they're moving or whatever. Well, and that's they the just, thing. They just shut down and- yeah, and they don't put an autoresponder on right. or a different voicemail. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm talking about. There are 90% of agents out there have no systems in place for 
follow up with offers. And so I think what happens is they just are so overwhelmed right. with the number of calls they get and nine emails o- and text messages. You get nine especially offers. Especially if it's a good listing in this yeah. market. That's what, well, every yeah. listing. Every, yeah, yeah, you get nine offers <laughs> like, and it's like, how do you juggle that? And ha- if you don't know how, if you don't have a system and what do we say about systems all the time is, is it scalable? Right. So does it work for one or does it work for 10 and does it work for 100? And you, and at some point you have to tweak systems so that they do that because not every system is going to work for that yeah. works for 100. It works for two or vice versa. Well, let me just but get still, some more stuff off well, my chest first. <laughs> real quick before you get the stuff off your chest, let everyone know what they're listening to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're listening to Seeking the Best. Um, this is where we try to seek out the best in ourselves as we overcome the personal hurdles in the real estate profession. I'm Catherine Stelgis, and across from me is my co-host and director of operations, Kayla Boundy. Hi. And then our producer, sound engineer extraordinaire, Patrick Fatika. Hello. And we're um, I'm venting about highest and best offers is what's happening right now. <laughs> but no, but just in that situation, I do understand because I've been in those places where we didn't used to have a system, right? We used to put a listing on the market and, cause by the way, we've been all living in a seller's market for too long. Like yeah. year, it's been years mm-hmm. now where if you get a good listing and depending on your market um, under a certain price point, the phone's ringing off the hook and people want to see it. And we didn't used to have a system for showings. And so you could spend all day just trying to schedule showings with your seller and the other agents. Yeah, and all if you day have a lot for going like a on full yourself, week. you're stressed when you're doing it. They're stressed because they're confused. They've got to keep their stuff in order because they have lives too. Well, yeah, imagine, I mean, not imagine, like this has been me before and, and you were there too before we started using showing time, mm-hmm. which I get that was purchased by Zillow, blah, blah, blah. But it has been a godsend from yeah. the la- for the last, um, not I don't just think for- I've ever said that, a godsend. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that great. <laughs> but it is. It's like a miracle um, for the last like three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And before that, we were trying to schedule all of the showings ourselves and we didn't have a system in place. So when we would get a new listing, it would dominate our entire week of just trying to to make sure everybody gets in, that everybody's happy and no one's yelling at us and blah, blah, blah. And then we paid for showing time and we're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Look at that. Like we can continue about our lives and our business and not have to be on the phone all day trying to schedule showings. So I do understand and I empathize this. Well, like some people just the, don't have that system in place for that. And they don't want to because a lot of agents make eight sales a year or six sales a year. And they're looking for which brokerage to jump to that has lower desk fees. So they're, they're, they're um, you know, spending a nickel to save an, a penny kind of kind of attitude towards things and it's like that's that's what that is i don't want to pay for showing time i don't want to pay for a lockbox. i don't want to pay for desk fees i don't want to pay for a split i don't want to pay for oh, leave all something? of that stuff and when you have that kind of a attitude towards your business then this is what ends up happening you on the other side invest in your business you're well, investing the, in it yeah but n- that's, that's what i mean not everybody not, treats it they're like not treating business. it like, that yeah. way and and not to say like I this is not a holier than thou kind of thing. I mean, there was a long time where I didn't treat things like a business either. And 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 even when I did start treating it as a business, I didn't always know what to do in situations like that. Like it it takes time to kind of realize like, oh, you know what? This is a problem that I have that keeps me from being productive and keeps me from growing and I need to f- like figure out how to fill that that gap. And at first it was just um, like when I hired my first assistant, like that was my first system for that. Mm-hmm. But then even that became. Oh, you mean like the assistant is going to The assistant is going to schedule the showings, right. right? So you're leveraging that off your plate, which works for a while. And then you realize that, you know, your, your assistant or your executive admin or your director of operations or whoever, um, that their time is better spent doing other things right. than scheduling showings. You're paying, yeah. too, you're paying them too much to do. Just do to be a, f- a phone answerer, right? Or or account like literally showing time is just a calendar, you know. Right. That somebody like it's a simple it can, but complex task. It it can put in the request and just directly contact the seller, and so so that's a system that that we've used that has drastically changed the way that we are able to work when new listings come on the market, and so we're able to manage that that showing now there's still going to be calls and stuff we still get people calling 
But um, that's our dog, <laughs> our dog uh, trying to get in, in, trying to get into Kayla's lap. Um, so that's that's a system for scheduling showings. And then what happens is then the offers start to come in. And you wonder sometimes, like, did did our offer get presented? I mean, I hate to say it, but like, I wonder sometimes if it truly did get presented and presented properly. And with the radio silence, that's a well, cue in communication. Like, yeah. <laughs> if I don't hear back from you, that makes me feel like uh, you don't really have much weight in your communication. You don't care to communicate things to people. Yeah. So that's what we're dealing with. And then this this partic- particular situation that is the worst is you just mentioned some people don't have lockboxes. It's like lockboxes were invented to make it easier to get into houses so that people didn't have to, um, you know, try to figure out who's going to open the door and all that stuff. It's like now we know we've got a system in place for getting people through the door so that me as the listing agent, you don't have to schedule with me to be there or the owner to be there. We have a system for that. But then people choose not to use that system, you know, and you mentioned people don't want to pay for a lockbox. Well, they don't want, they don't want to pay for the e-key. Now I kind of feel like that might be the situation with that particular one because he had to be there for the showing. And so he wouldn't, he, he said there was no times available. And right. so we just didn't get our buyer, like the buyer was not able to see it. I mean, we made an offer without it, but then from a seller's perspective. Well, he could have put, he probably could have put a combo lock box on. I was th- speaking more of the agent who calls the listing agent and says, can you come open the door for my buyer? Because I don't have an e-key. Oh, that that's, too. Oh, that's, don't get me that's started what I was on talking that. Of, that's what I was <laughs> thinking of. Don't get me started on that. I'm, I, that's a whole nother conversation, but yeah, that happens way too often. Yeah. Uh, where we get people who clearly are just not like they're from another association or they just don't have an e-key. Yeah, they don't. They're not agents. They're just they they just have a license and it's well, hung somewhere. And they're the, but they're not in the business. Not when I say they're not agents, I just mean they're not real metaphorically. Yeah, they're not they're not um, doing this for a living because no one who does it for a living doesn't pay their dues to have. Yeah, that's such an inconvenience. Yeah, if you didn't have any key. As a realtor in the in the business, that dog does not want to get under that blanket. <laughs> or she wants to do it all by herself. Saying, like, "I can do it. I can do She's it." She's about to get tossed out of the studio. <laughs> Distracting. Um, but so, but yes, you have system. There are systems in place to make this a smooth process for people. But then you're relying on other agents to be good co-op agents and do the right thing. So doing the right thing, meaning help get people through the door. Like I know we get calls sometimes where it's like, we just can't figure out like the seller is not available and we're, but we're always trying to figure it out with them. Right. Like the seller's not available. Is there any way you can send your buyer through this open house? Like Mm -hmm. we, we did one time there were, um, that tenant occupied place over in the millennia area. No, totally different. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, because I had to open for an agent for that one because we were really nice. Oh, that one. oh, well, that's being too nice. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I was talking about um, the place where there was, it was a multifamily place. Oh, oh yes. And, and we yep. did like just a big agent open house mm-hmm. because we couldn't get people in because there were tenants. There's like three different schedules for three different separate people. And we could have just said, oh, well, deal with it. Yeah. But what, to me, that wouldn't have been doing our client, the seller, the best service because then they were just going to get whoever could get through the door. Yeah. Like that was the offer that they were going to get. So choose from one of these couple instead of choose from 30. And I'm not saying like highest and best is is annoying because then you have all these offers that are like, these are never going to appraise and you've got to deal with all that. But the point is that if you can't get people through the door, then how are you really doing the best job for the seller? I know you can do a walkthrough and with COVID times you can do video tours and people are becoming more accustomed to that. But most people still want to go in and like really physically see it. Yeah. yeah so we just could not get in, period. Yeah. They'll do a video tour and then say, okay, yes, I want to go see that one. Not right. like sight. I mean, there's always going to be the outliers, but sight unseen, like I'm just going to buy the house because you walk through with your iPhone. No. Like the it'll it'll weed out the ones that they definitely don't like yeah. but 
Well, and we, you know, we we have somebody under contract right now that did see it just by video tour and and made an offer and they're under contract and yeah. they're fine. It's few and far between. But it, but most people want to go physically to the house after they've seen the video um, or at least have us go see it. Like, you know, it, because sometimes people will send me their video and it's like, OK, great. But I think, you know, the buyers still want our opinion. Right. There were their representation. Yeah. They want our opinion on how does this stack up? Maybe the soft, maybe the soft close drawers in the kitchen is important to mm-hmm. our, our buyers. Right. And they want to open them and close them and they want to see how, where does that light come through the window and how big is that backyard really? And what's the fence look like behind that bush and all of those things that are not going to be in a video because. Especially if it's presented by the listing agent, because it's you're gonna get all the highlight the nice stuff and avoid all the other stuff. (laughs) That crack in the ceiling, we're not gonna get that. Yeah, (laughs) take it from somebody who shoots video for real estate. It's like you want to present the house in the best light. Yeah, that's always the way it is, right? So you're gonna shoot around stuff and and show the nicest part of the yard, but not the part that's dug up. Yeah, but so. Then, so this particular thing, we still, it's been two weeks. We made the offer right away because we couldn't get them in to see it while they were in town. So they left, but we still made an offer um, and it's still active. Have you not heard anything like call, oh, text, Oh, email? no, I've talked. I won't get into the actual conversation because I feel like it's just too much, too much detail. But, but yes, no, I've spoken with the agent. And the seller, like he makes it seem like the seller just hasn't made a decision yet. Two weeks, baby. What? But that's the thing is like, how long is too long? I guess that's my, my, my frustration is like, how long is too long where there isn't any point? You're not going to get some magical better offer than what you've already got. Everybody is jumping through hoops to get in houses as quickly as they can and make offers as quickly as they can to sit on it for that length of time. If that's what they're doing is like trying to solicit more offers, it's like at some point, what is it? The law of diminishing returns. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like at some point you're just not get your offers are going to start going down. Yeah. (laughs) Or or you're losing really quality people. Right. The people who are the most uh, willing and engaged and, and, and want to buy are the ones who put the offer in right away. Not the ones who put the offer in in a week or two weeks and they go, this house is, I thought the stuff was selling overnight. This thing's still on the market. And and now we're going to, those offers that are going to come in, those people are thinking, let's lowball a little yeah. bit because well, it's still sitting here, right? Well, yeah. And even- So your offers, I mean, we always say the first offer is usually the best and this is a great example of that. And I guess what I'm, I'm getting at is like, you're as an agent, we're supposed to be a guide for the seller. And look, I get they can make their own choices and they can say, no, I don't like any of these offers. But then be a good agent and and be a good guide for the seller and say, you know, I understand, you know, maybe the, these aren't exactly what you wanted. And yet, you know, we've been on the market for a week. We told people we were doing highest and best. And guess what? You have higher than asking price offers. We should really decide which one's the best and move forward before it starts to get yeah. worse. Well, you're, yeah. what you're doing is you're applying your logic to what other people should do. But the problem is, is that you've got maybe a, I mean, just people. So you've got a seller who has their own life and a bunch of things going on and they're trying to get into their new house and they're trying to clean out their desk at work or what, whatever it is who, where it's like, it's not, I've got a a full day and I've got a lot of stuff on my plate and I don't have time to look at these offers. And then you have an agent maybe who is, has the listing who, you know, They've got a, a basketball game that they were going to go pick up with their friends and something else and something else. And so three days go by and there's no there's no communication between the agent and the and the seller, you know, and it's like that. I mean, I can see how that can happen. Can you? Cause yeah, that seems unacceptable. No. Oh, to me. I'm not saying it's acceptable <sighs> on any. Most it, of the time our sellers are excited to get their offers and kind of go through them and make decisions not like make an immediate decision but well, make a decision and that's the thing like there are always sellers who or any client who maybe aren't as responsive and quick on things as others um but most of the time like they want to they want to move forward they want to yeah. sell their house or they wouldn't have it listed and then you get multiple offers and i know 
that at least one is over asking price. (laughs) And so to, to just not respond and give the other party some kind of like a new deadline or um, a rejection, like, you know, thanks, but we actually have some that are better that we're still considering. So we're not going to decide on one of those, but you're definitely not in the running. <laughs> like just cut people sure. loose. It's an emotional process for most people when they're buying homes because it's for themselves. Yeah. Like most of the time you're not dealing with investors. That's a small pool of the the buyer population. So you're dealing with people's lives. They have places to move. Be a good co-op agent. And when you set a deadline for highest and best, uh, tell your seller, okay, we're going to decide on one by this by time this and date. date. This is the plan and strategy that we're going with, right? Sound good? Sound good. <laughs> <laughs> That's a tie down, you guys. Um, it's one of my favorite tie downs in scripts. It works. Sound good? How can you say no to that? No, exactly. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> what are you going to say? No, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> I, I think a lot of my tie downs are okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. That one gives you too much exactly. opening to I say know. no. It's too I don't passive know. on my end. Anyways, <laughs> sorry. Sidebar, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just, I'm just saying right now, everything is already crazy enough that we don't need people who you know, are, are making it more challenging for everyone. <laughs> well, it's like there's so many people involved. Like we've been dealing with a lot of vendors for personal reasons, like trying to get quotes on things and stuff like that. And and one of the things that I'm trying to get done is, is a, a, there aren't a lot of people that do it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, there's a craft to it and stuff. And Specialized. so, yeah, very, very much so. And so I have called quite a few people uh, and just left messages and didn't get into the detail of what it was I wanted. One company emailed me back immediately. They told me when they would call. They called at that time. Uh, they We went to set an appointment as soon as they emailed me to set the appointment and then sent me a three-minute intro video of what to expect with the owner of the company and then immediately sent me a Google Calendar alert to accept the invitation. They told me who would be there, what time, what their job is, all of those things. And then I've had other people where I've left the same message and never heard back. And everything in between that as well and stuff. And it's like, well, I can tell you who I'm leaning towards. Yeah. And, and and but that's what I mean is like it all it's all comes down to who you are as a person, how you run your business and what's important to you. And for a lot of those agent agents i believe none of that is important well you know it's just and it not makes you, there, and it makes you can't you apply wonder. you can't apply your philosophy <laughs> to those people because they yes. are different people i get it if you know like we've said before there's like twenty three thousand agents in orlando and central florida right so that's twenty three thousand different ways of doing things i guarantee there's not a single one that's doing stuff the exact same of way of course yeah and and then you have everywhere from like a huge team, like a huge team, like a group, you know, uh, to a single agent who sells one house a year and or I'm sorry, the agent that sells zero houses a year, yeah. but maybe has a listing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and everybody in between. I get that. I'm not I'm just saying, like, be a good co-op agent. And what that means is you are you we do have to work together like no deal gets done without two agents well i guess you could double side it but you yeah. know what i mean so in, in the way that looks is to be respectful and when when people are making offers understand that they're like running around like a chicken with their head cut off right now trying to help their buyers get into something and those people might have a, a dead drop date that they need a house and to just not respond or give any kind of counter rejection and just let it drag on for two weeks is unacceptable yeah unacceptable because there's crazy. nothing else for those buyers you should lose your license there's nothing else geez, there's nothing else for those, <laughs> there. those buyers to when when the inventory is so tight and they've got a drop date of where they have to move and they have to have another house and you're as a as a listing agent last last what's the word laissez-faire nope laissez-faire that's not the one i'm thinking of Long gag. Nope. Well, like, that's a good one. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Well, you said it starts with an L, right? Yeah. Lazy? Uh, lazadaisical? Lackadaisical. Lackadaisical. Okay. Mine was a better. Yes. But when, but when you when you are just kind of taking your time and not really paying attention, it's like those people 
can't just go find another house tomorrow the other on the other side and someday that's going to be you with the buyer so m- move with a little urgency yeah i mean because yeah. they're not going to find they can't just go put an offer in on another house cuz there isn't another house and then okay so i guess let's let's think about uh, you know the systems in which we have developed that i think are really strong with when it comes to this sort of thing is number 1 we use showing time um, wait yeah Wait, what? You want to take a break? Yeah, let's take a break and then we'll go through <laughs> okay. what you have that works great. Okay? All right, let's take a break. And we're back. Where was I? Venting about yeah, but <laughs> frustrating we, You're going to kind of go through some of, the, some of the systems that you guys have that seem to help. And maybe what we could kind of get into is how do you... What kind of things can you put in place to avoid these problems that you're getting, mm-hmm. if there is anything? Well, yeah. So we do. So sh- uh, what I was saying is showing time. I still believe that is a great, great service. And uh, although I hope we come up with our own. It's a very easy system to duplicate, honestly, if you really had a mastermind on the back end of websites and the configurations. <laughs> you want to build out your own showing time? Um, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It would hey, be great. Uh, it would you could. You complex, could. but if you love doing stuff like that, it's a simple system. <laughs> it's just a few automations. How much? No, never mind. No, not going to. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what makes it really powerful is that it's inexpensive and it and it fills the entire um, from the time you get the listing live to getting an offer accepted. All of that busy work that can can totally derail your business. So it allows you to grow and in doing like like leverage off the things that you know again are not high dollar like they're not dollar producing activities at all. Mm-hmm. Um leverage those things off. And then the second thing is when you do start getting multiple offers, one of the things we did a long time ago was we have a spreadsheet and <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm. And we as, as we're getting in offers, Kayla fields the offers and we're putting in the details of the offer, you know, the offer price. Um, is this the spread? Yeah. So she's got a spreadsheet of specific things. What are like the major details? The major details of a, a sales contract. So ev- and every single contract that comes in, Kayla fills out yep. the, the, you the link spreadsheet. It, link with, it to the column it's in, link the PDF of the proof of funds, and it's a simple look for the sellers. Yes. So we're breaking it down for what, the sellers because can you imagine from what, a seller's perspective what, what, to like read the contract on 30 oh, offers? Oh, right. Who, no. like they're not going to do that. Right. Don't so, do they that. Want, so you're just giving then, them the cliff notes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to finish things. this this thought and then I'm going to say something else. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then something after that and something after that. <laughs> but let me finish this thought. Okay. So on the spreadsheet though, in the major terms of the contract, right? The sales price, the closing date, the escrow deposit, the type of financing, any concessions or additional terms that would be, you know, important to, for the seller to know. We're breaking that down in a spreadsheet so that it's easier to digest for the seller for our client. And we're doing that as the offers come in. But as soon as we have an offer, we're going to go ahead and talk to the seller. And if we think there's more offers coming or if um, if we got like two in the same time frame, you know, then I'm going to talk to the seller as soon as I can and set them up with the understanding like I think we're we're getting multiple offers. So the best thing for us to do for everybody, not just for the seller, it does help the seller because it can have an auction effect, right? And it can push the price up, but it's best for everybody because then those buyers get a chance to make their best offer mm-hmm. because the first person who put the offer in, they might have made a fair, reasonable offer, but they didn't know there was another offer on the table. Yeah, they didn't have the same information as other people. And that's what that's where things get really unfair and people feel like this is just a crap market to be in because they make an offer and then you find out the next day, oh, well, the seller selected another offer. And it's like, well, I didn't know there was an offer on the table. Like, wouldn't it have been nice to know? I still made a really strong offer, I but maybe I would have made it a little bit better. It's like no one's going to come in. Well, and- you might have made it better the same way that the second offer did because the second offer, that agent said, hey, are there any offers? And the listing agent said, yeah, we did get an offer yesterday. Right. So now I know that, well, you know what I mean? It's Going like, strong. of course. Yeah. And, and, like- and I think we talked about like from the buyer's perspective, how to try to find out that information for your buyer. But on the seller side, yeah, like we're going to talk to the seller and try to set them up with the realistic expectations and say, you know, you have options as a seller. You can choose one of the offers that you have. You can counter any of them, 
or we can do highest and best. Let everybody who's staggered in line to see this thing, get through the door, get all the offers on the table, and then you get to choose what's best for you and your family. Which would you like to do? Well, they're always going to choose highest and best because they don't know. It makes makes the most sense. It makes the most sense for everybody. (laughs) Yeah. And so then that's fine. So then you set a date and timeline for the highest and best. And here's where I've made some mistakes. Is if what we say now, like we don't the highest and best deadline, we never make it for an evening or Yeah, it's not on a Sunday. Or a Sunday. Because what ends up happening is then if you don't get the response back to people, then they're starting to wonder like what's going on. They're blowing blowing you up in your lead gen time. Oh, <laughs> on Monday morning, you yeah, mean? Yeah. So well, if you make it noon Monday. Noon Monday. Mm-hmm. So then we finished our Legion time. And but that gives us time to that the offer needs to be in by a certain time so that we can get it presented to the seller. Cause then they might want to sit and think about it for a second. Yeah, especially right. if there's so, like nine of them. So real quick. And okay, so, I'm getting all over the place. No, so real <sighs> quick. So what you do is what happened was is you guys would uh have a listing people would go see it all weekend or there was an open house or something like that. The offers would start coming in and then you realize you would get inundated with offers and your entire Monday, the beginning of the week here, let's go would be shot because the phone's ringing ringing from 8am until noon. Well, I mean, so you're like, we have to fix every time we have an, every time we have a listing come online, we, we are, we lose a Monday. Well, I mean, yeah, that that too. But I right. mean, specifically, be strategic about the when you're putting the highest and best highest and best deadline, and then letting people know. So we used to say, "This is this is what I'm trying to say." We used to say highest and best by, let's say, Sunday at 5 p.m. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, do you know how long it takes to sort and filter 30 offers on Sunday night? You have agents calling you at 9 p.m. Did you get my offer? Is there a response? Right, <laughs> and then. By the time you're done, because some people will wait until the last second, like quite a few of them will. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're you're sitting there on Sunday night rewriting and putting in all of the highest and best details for two hours or whatever. And then you have to call the seller and present it all to them. And then they want time to think about it, right? They're not going to make... Sometimes there's definitive answer. This is it, yeah. But sometimes they want to just review everything. That it's a lot to digest. And they don't want to give you an answer till the next morning. But you told everyone highest and best by Friday or Sunday at 5 p.m. So guess what? They're all expecting yeah. an answer yeah. right. at 5 p.m. on Sunday. And it's like, well, I just got all the details from everybody. And I've got to put this all together for the seller. So now. So now we do because <laughs> we've learned that from that mistake. Now, first of all, we don't set a highest and best deadline for a, a late at night or a weekend because that means that we're going to be compiling all that data. And guess what happens is like, I don't want Kayla working on the weekend. She's not a salesperson. I do what I want. <laughs> but but the idea is that that's an administrative job to compile all that data. So let's set a deadline during the week so that she can get all that data compiled for me. So then I can come in at 12 p.m. on or 1 p.m., mm-hmm. right? Like yep. 12 p.m. is the deadline. It takes an hour to get everything populated. You you're put at, everything in. I'm until, at lunch. Until, until I'm just wine. I'm <laughs> whining and dining. And then I come in and I just pull up the sheet and I say, OK, great. And I call the seller and I review the offers with them. So now we've figured out that that's the best system is to make sure that the deadline falls in a time frame that makes sense for our business. And we know that there's probably a pretty good chance that those realtors aren't sitting at home the way they were on Sunday night waiting, going, I'm going to call, I'm going to text that, I'm going to go text that listing agent about that. They're out doing their own thing during the day. So they're not on top of it the way they are on a Sunday at seven o'clock. But some and then some communication wise is we let the agents know the listing manager lets the agents know that the sellers are being presented with the offers. And if we have a time to provide on when they expect the next update, it's always fair to do that. So you'll get a next update about 4 p.m., 4.30. Who's to know if it's going to be a yes or a no? It's just an update and a promise to. Well, that's what I mean about being a good co-op agent. So it's not just received. <laughs> like that's not the email I feel response. rude when I just put one response but like that's usually word. what we get right like usually if I'm submitting an offer on, and I'm representing the buyer the response is received 
and then you try to call them either before or after and they don't pick up the phone and they don't respond to the phone call. And like, I get it. You're getting a lot of phone calls and you're like, just send me the email. I, I get it. But um, this is the difference. And this is what makes like a good experience for people. We don't want just our clients to have a good experience. I want everybody to. And so now we have different deadlines so that it works better with our own schedules so that we don't stress out and then get completely off track from our own goals because we've set these unrealistic expectations with everybody. And then the other thing is um, like letting them know, right? Like what you said, letting them know like, okay, great. We, we received it. We're going to get this all compiled for the seller and we'll so, have another update later today. So, so you're letting the other agent know what to expect. You're going to get an update. Right. And then let me say one more thing. Um, hold that thought. And then also I've learned to let the seller know mm-hmm. that when I give you, like, we're going to compile all this, it's going to take a bit. It's going to take a minute. The deadline is 12 p.m. I will not have them all for you at 12 p.m. It takes a minute to compile everything. I will call you around 1 to 1.30. And then when we review everything, the other agents and buyers will expect a response on that day. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to need more time, then I need to let them know when we're setting the deadline for the highest and best, are you going to feel comfortable making a decision? And then I just set them up with the expectation that usually there's one or two standouts and we can at least kind of cut everyone else loose, you know? Yeah. What were you going to say? Nothing. I was getting all ramped up. No, you, you, you pretty much answered it. I, it's, it's that you guys, that's a lot of information that you guys just went, went through and stuff. So I just kind of wanted to, sum it up you well yeah i mean you guys so on monday what you do what or you have some agent agent calls you on saturday and says uh and you say we're doing highest and best until monday morning 12 p.m or at 12 p.m and then somebody says okay great and then on sunday they send the offer so is there like a canned response that they get back that says thank you for your offer um, you'll be updated by whatever four o'clock on Monday. Like, is it? It usually or, says received. Thank you. We'll get an update to you as soon as or by end of day. Oh, okay. I used to say as soon as possible, but we got to change the words. Words matter. By end of day. Well, they well they do matter because if you tell like you say as soon as possible, there's no actual. Yeah, they can be like two that hours. Could, that could be they anything. Call again. Right. And then also, I just want to say, like, I'm not trying to toot my own horn or everything, but um. I do call everyone back like mm-hmm. or, or at least have Kayla if, if it's somebody that's just asking a question like Kayla, you might call them back. But everybody gets a call back. I'm not going to ignore somebody just because you're um, busy. Yeah. Just because they sent me an email. And so I just assume that they got all their questions answered. From, like I have a voicemail and I have their email. So I'm just going to assume that they're handled because I got an email from them. It's like not necessarily. So I will respond to them and either, you know, say like, hey, I saw that you called as well. Did you have any additional questions or were you just letting me know that an offer was being submitted? Like, I'm going to make sure that everybody is taken care of. And a lot of people might be listening to this and think that sounds like a waste of time. And to that, I say, well, you must not have ever been on the other end of this because it's terrible to not know when we're going to hear back. It makes us all look bad. And you and for anybody who does say that, I don't remember the exact time, but I know it was it was recently where the there was an the offer that you guys put in, I believe, as the buy as the buyer as being on the buyer's side, because it was you and the other agent on the other side had worked with you in the past, influenced the seller to choose you as your offer your buyer's offer as the offer they chose because they knew it would be a smooth process because they worked with you before and knew that you were a pro. Well, and, and so and that stuff so happens all go. the time. Yeah. And so. it's not that like we got some sweet deal for the buyer. Like, I mean, the buyer got a good, good deal. They got the house like that and the price wasn't too bad. But the point is that if you're sitting with a spreadsheet of 10 offers and well, I've worked with this person before, and I see that their buyer um, looks strong. They've presented a pre-approval. They're, they've got conventional financing and like all the things line up. You're going to tell the seller. Yeah. Like this one is one of our top offers. And I've worked with that agent before. And this buyer seems really qualified. Like that's the advice the seller wants to have. Yeah. 
So that's going to factor in too. So if you're a good co-op agent on what whatever you're representing all the time, that reputation will stick around. Right. And and it will come back. Now you can't like I've also had um I remember a situation where I was a listing agent and there were 30 offers. Mm. 30 offers and I got a call from an agent who like was just, you know, it was like a family member of his and I knew him. Not not that well, but like, you know, we had worked together in the past and stuff. And he really was trying to schmooze me, you know, trying to get that offer accepted. And it just was not, it was not strong enough, the offer yeah. itself. Now, if it was comparative all things to- be, All things being that's, equal. That's what yeah. I mean. And then that's the thing too, is like a lot of times from a seller's perspective, it's like, look, the some of the prices right now, like those things aren't going to appraise. Like there's no. no way to appraise a house- when nothing has sold for, you know, like I'm just making up numbers, but a house is for sale for 300 and nothing has sold for over 250 in the last year in the neighborhood, there's no way it's going to appraise. But the offers might be in the 280s. So if you have a reasonable offer and you come and you make sure that the other agent knows all that information and they also know you and have worked with you before, you might get yours accepted, even if it's not the highest one. Because they're like, well, at least I know that 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 everything else is going to go smoothly. We still probably won't. Yeah, we still probably won't get it appraised, and we'll have to renegotiate. But at least I know that along the way things will right. go smoothly, that, and we'll know what's going on. Right. That that mm-hmm. I know that that other agent I've worked with them before that they're going to explain to their buyer what to do and how if it doesn't appraise, we'll be able to work something out because I know they're not a crazy person or inexperienced or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that it, get- it matters. Be a good co-op agent and then have systems in place so that you're not flailing around. Because in that case, making- in your emotions and you're not the professional you need to be. And then can I vent about something else? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but that's seriously for highest and best for sellers. Those are, I think, the best things we've put into place is just having other people schedule showings, having a spreadsheet to put all the details in setting the right deadline and expectations with both the clients and the the agents and then honoring that deadline. And I know that sometimes you get an offer and the other agent is like, this is all cash and they want it, uh, but you have to sign before the highest and best deadline. And it's like, you know, we we do have a duty to our sellers to explain that to them. But at the same time, like, Like when you explain it to the seller, I would let them know, you know, hey, we have this offer. They want you to accept this today. It's, you know, here are the terms. They want you to accept it today before the open house or before the highest and best. And it's your choice to do that. But we did set a deadline for everyone else to submit offers by Monday. So I don't know if this is the best offer because we have a whole bunch of people who are still scheduled to see it and we have two open houses or whatever the case may be. And we set everybody else up with the expectation that we'd be accepting offers Monday. So this very well might not be the best offer that you receive. I can't know that because we've let everyone else know that we're doing something different. And if you, again, it's being a good guide to the seller, like that offer probably isn't the best one because everybody else is waiting. They're like trying to get in on Sunday. Well, think about it. Those... Those buyers, they don't want you to have that open house. They are paying all cash. They're trying to 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 wheel and deal and move. I, I that personality of that kind of a thing, the hard playing hardball, I guess is what you would call it, um, is such a turnoff. And if it was me, I would say, I don't want to deal with this guy when when we start doing inspections like I don't want to get involved in in that because this is uh, he's showing his he doesn't think he's showing his cards but he's showing me everything well and you know on the type on the type of person that's that's the kind of person who thinks a negotiation is I win everything well and you know what else at least that's how I would feel in in I'm we're kind of making up scenarios here but like what happens is um, this was going to be the next thing I say that I think is a good system to have, at least at least for us it works, is, um, well, let me say what that is. Once you have all your offers, I kind of try to get people to choose a backup offer because 
if you've got all these offers, like why go back on the market a second time when you've got all of these offers mm-hmm. that you can just move to the right. second best one? Right. Because what happens, at least here, I, I, I've seen it, when you have to put your house back active from pending, the next offers that come in are lower. Even in a crazy market like this, they never end up selling for the same amount that they were under contract the first time. So if you have somebody, if you have an offer and it falls through during inspections and you have a backup offer, then you just go straight to that next contract. So even if that one falls through, then you've only been off the market once. Right. And you maybe have a second backup offer too. And in this market, that's possible mm-hmm. because there's nothing to buy. Yeah. And if if there it, there's no risk to the buyer, at least where we are, so it's like there's no risk to them, why not just go ahead and do it? Then then we're set up for success. No matter what happens along the way, we immediately have somewhere else to go. And especially as helpful when you have um, sellers who are also buyers to give them that confidence to move on to the next purchase. Right. Because look, if this one, if this one falls through, guess what? We're, we already have somebody else. We don't even need to show your house again. You don't even need to clean up again. (laughs) And so that's another thing. Another system is to go through and say, okay, let's pick the best one for you. But then let's also look and consider what backup offer you'd want to offer. And then we let every single person know that their offer has been rejected and anybody that um, you know has an interest, in, has being an interest in being a backup offer, we only offer the backup position to the ones that are realistically going to get it. It's not fair to say, but the seller's considering backup offers to somebody right. who's like the lowest on the list. Right. So that's something. <laughs> yeah, well, because that's one more agent who is going to maybe send an email or contact and that's one more email in the email box that you don't need. Right. There's way too many emails. Um, But but yeah, I will say one other mistake that I've made before, because I think we can all learn from our mistakes. That's how we've put these things into place, is that one time I made the mistake. My seller said they wanted to accept one offer. (laughs) And so I let that person know, but it wasn't signed yet. And so then I went and I let somebody else know that they were rejected and they wanted to up and increase their offer. And then the seller changed their mind and said, well, wait a second, that one sounds good because of course I had to present it. Yep. <laughs> and that created a lot of... Um, right, because then the first guy said, I thought our offer was accepted. And then I said, well, yeah, if you now you have to up it. And it's like, oh, now I'm in a bidding war. Yeah, this, you promised this, was, me. this was quite a few years ago, you guys. Yeah. On the but, co-op side, he should know that you never take verbal for anything. Well, yeah. Well, and that's why that, tell buyers, like until it's signed, do not get excited yep. because... Because anything could change. And and by the way, anything can change. Even in that circumstance, I kicked myself because I'm like, I should have gotten my sellers to just go ahead and sign the accepted offer first and then let everybody know that they their offer was not selected. And um, because at some point you got to call it quits. I mean, yeah. it could go on for, I mean, again, it could go on for weeks if you let it. It's just like, you've got to call it quits. So this is the best offer. Sign this. And then I'm going to let everybody else know that their offer was rejected. I'm going to give a few people, like two to three max, the opportunity for a backup if the seller wants to. And and then we'll see where those go. And we'll get those actually signed. Um, and then... Right. So don't contact any other agents who have offers in until you have something signed until by the accepted signed. offer. It's signed, not verbal, not anything. Because... I know it, you people get excited yeah. You know, and it's because well, like, they're like, well, wait, yeah. is there anything else my client can do? And it's nope. like, no, that was what it's the highest done. and best was for. Yeah. It's already signed. It's done. So those are the things that I think work best. <laughs> are you preparing us for this week? <laughs> yeah, I know. We've got, as, as we put on a new listing that is, you know, again, it's the right price range. It's all the right things that it could. And so, but thankfully we've put these things into place and I'm sure we'll learn something on this one too, that we'll do the next time and do it differently. <laughs> um, because that's, that's the part of like running a business is you, you should always be looking for like, how do I make this more efficient? How do I make this a better experience for everybody involved, How do you including the other agents? Always be seeking the best. The best. <laughs> um, <A-B-S-T-B. laughs> can I vent about something else unrelated? Sure. Do I have time for that? Yeah. 
You do it here. Do <laughs> it here. I won't have to hear it later tonight. <laughs> it's a heavy one. Go. No, I just. I called so many people today whose voicemail boxes were full. Oh my god! I'm getting a lot of those too. That like, is so. I'm telling like ugh. ten to fifteen. I'm talking other agents and new home salespeople. Time after time, it's those after home. Time. It's those car warranty voicemails. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. <what> it is. <laughs> I know. Um, so annoying. Check your voicemail. Make sure it's cleared out. Oh my goodness! And then tell people too. Like I, I probably do mine. I like to tell people when. You don't have to do it right now, Kayla. <laughs> no, I'm not turning my phone off. I'm going to trouble. <laughs> what? It's already, we've already been talking for like no, an hour. It's off. It's off. <laughs> um, but check, yeah, check your voicemail. Clear that out. And then if somebody's voicemail box is full, I like to shoot them a text and let them know because, hey, you know. Hey, jabroni. So, well, sometimes. <laughs> your, text, your, your voicemail's full. Well, sometimes people don't know and I get that, but. Uh, to, I've never had my send voicemail them a voice full. message via text. Do you get? I've, I don't even know what happens because mine's never been full before. It just says this person's voicemail. No, box I, is I full. no, I get that. I've I've called people where that's the case, but like if my voice mailbox was full, you don't get like a notification or anything. You oh, you don't. No, you just you don't. Oh, you should. Apple, you come on, Apple. You well, you should, <laughs> but I don't think you do. It's a simple automation. <laughs> But like if if you're noticing that you're getting a lot of calls but no one's leaving voicemails, that might be the thing. Might yeah. be your sign. Might be the thing. <laughs> also, just a professional tip, put your business information on your voicemail box. You know, I hate when I call people this is now I'm just like, oh, Yeah, right. I know. But like I hate when I call people and I'm not sure that I actually dialed yeah. the right number. You've reached Google Voice Line. Yeah, or like with just the number after it. It's like, generic, are you the kidding? generic right. Apple voicemail, and are it's you like, kidding? yeah, did I call the right person? You know, we're we're professionals, right? I'm calling a business, right? We're all business owners. Anyone, anyone listening, anyone listening to this podcast has their has their voicemail because they care enough that they're listening to this podcast as a person. So you're did. you're preaching to the choir. I, I think. guess, <laughs> I guess, and I feel like real. Uh, preachy today that's okay we're all fired up we got a lot of stuff going on in a our, lot of stuff it's so just it's, it is good stuff yeah good stuff but all, there's just definitely there's tension in the air and i think a lot, everybody is feeling it but hey guess what if we all acted like good co-op agents like we could alleviate a lot yeah. of that tension, tension in the stress. inventory yeah yeah and and just amongst like your clients like well, you guys are supposed to be a team like that's the whole point that's why everyone has that little r pin that you're <laughs> supposed to put on your on your yeah. lapel right it's <laughs> like you guys are all supposed to be playing for the same side playing for the for the team and making each other's lives easier you still represent your clients to the best of your ability and do all of those things but look we're all in this together kind of a thing and it feels like a lot of times it's people not. people it's because there's so many different ways to do it right there's just so many different ways well and that's why i think that um you know not to go down a rabbit hole but we talked about the whole zillow thing not that long ago and that's all the buzz in the industry that's why people that's why zillow exists right that's why those companies exist they're trying to streamline things even though uh, you know it sometimes feels like it's making it more complicated on our end it's like there's there's so many people involved that consumers are frustrated and there are companies who are trying to streamline streamline that process and in turn it feels like they're taking our clients away. We'll just do a better job at making your clients and customers sure. feel like everything well, look, is I mean, handled and, for them. And, yeah. But that means working together to do that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, it kind of reminded me of like when we've had anytime we've had to hire a contractor for a big job what's the first question is do you subcontract or do you do it all yourself because the last thing you want is a contractor who subcontracts and then those subcontractors subcontract and all the way down to the the, some guy picking up someone else at the home depot standing out on the corner right and it's like what you you want somebody who's going to do all of it it's a it's the same the same kind of thing like you you want the professional like you know, one of the reasons we we when we were looking for our transaction coordinator last was one of the reasons we're bringing people on more in-house is because then we can control the experience. Right, right, right. And it can be to what our standards are. And and at least this side can be what we want it to be because we can't control the other people. We can't control the other side. But we we do have control over our own business and how we run things. So if if we hire the people and we vet them and do the career visioning process and make sure that everybody is 
you know, in the right spot and working it towards fits their in, Fits into our culture. It mm-hmm. fits in our culture so that they, so that like everything that I'm saying is important, that they feel the same way. Right. Then we can give them, you know, consumers the best experience that we can. I just wish more people knew about it. I know. <laughs> I know. All right. You guys ready to take a break? Sure. Okay. Let's take a break. The Think Look B team is an Orlando-based real estate team with Keller Williams Realty at the Parks. We operate as a boutique-style company with the resources of the largest real estate company behind us. Think Look B is looking for talented people like you to join our team. If you happen to live in the Orlando area and you're a detail-oriented quick learner, then we might have a place for you. Whether you're a real estate agent or administrative professional, we are looking for individuals who are ready to work hard and ready for success. If you're ready to join the team, visit us at thinklivebee.com. And we're back. Well, sorry for all you listeners out there if we got a little too ranty. Well, that was fun. (laughs) I just had to get all that off my chest. It's been a frustrating couple of weeks. (sighs) Ladies and gentlemen, the question you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Questions from the All right. This week's question is a series of little questions all smushed together. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm planning on hosting open house every single weekend I can. I'm planning on asking listing agents from different brokerages if I can host an open house for their listings. Is there any polite or correct way to ask them? Do I need to give them quote, compensation or a referral fee if I actually get clients from their open house? Any certain expectations before, during, and after the open house from listing agents? What should I give or offer to thank them to let me hold an open house on their listing? Um, a high five. <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of thoughts on that. And this is not just like this person said, like other brokerages right? too. So if you're if you're looking for other open houses or any open houses um, because you don't have listings, which uh, join the club right now, I think, with a lot of people uh, with this tight inventory, um, the I, I think the best way to go about it is to, like, first of all, choose. I, we've probably got an open house podcast somewhere. Choose, like, a strategic open house. Choose listings that fit within a certain price range and areas that have good turnover, that there's going to be buyers that actually come to visit it. Try to choose listings that are a little bit newer to the market. But if you're just trying to get experience, like anything will do just to, you know, kind of get in a rhythm of things. So as you reach out to people, my best advice would be to give them a call because we get, we were just talking about how inundated agents can be from a new listing and emails and all of this stuff that can bog down. So try and actually reach them by phone because if you catch somebody by phone, even if like as a listing agent, even if I don't have a listing to give you to hold open, um, or I don't know you from Adam and I'm like, no, at least, at least I'll remember your name. And then if you call me again the next week and ask for another one, eventually I might give you one. Yeah. I might look you up. Yeah. See like, you know, Well, I'm going to think you're kind of a go getter and like, maybe, um, maybe I want to hire you or whatever. (laughs) Uh, but so like try to get yourself in front of the person so that they know who you are and you can follow up with an email, but I just don't think that you just, you don't just send an email to a couple people and expect to get an open house. There's multiple things you should do. Uh, posting on, if you're, uh, if your brokerage has a Facebook group, post on there that you're available, ask people, Facebook message them, text message, phone call, email, like multiple sources to try and reach people to see what they have available. Well, look to see what's available and then reach those people Yeah, and ask them if it's possible. And also look for vacant houses because honestly, like I feel uncomfortable giving people I don't know an open house at an occupied house because I can't vouch for them right. to my my sellers. They have a cat. <laughs> right. right? Like- well, that's a whole nother. Yeah, if it's it's occupied so there could be pets and there's just a lot of things that could go wrong yeah so if it's vacant though i might be more willing to like give them an opportunity and it looks good for me um to my seller like we're holding an open house we're advertising an open house for you 
but I may not have time to physically do them all every weekend. So it's a great way to get started. You just look look for people who have listings that are vacant and ask them, but then follow up just like with leads. Like the lead's not going to remember who you are if you don't follow up multiple times. Well, same thing with an agent who has listings. They aren't going to remember who you are and think of you for an open house unless you repeatedly ask them for one. Yeah, nicely though. It'd be a nice co-op. So maybe once you get somebody on your contract and you're on the other end of their deal, they recognize you again. And I also think just strategically thinking, like don't look for teams because they probably already have agents that are hosting open houses. So look for single agents that might be kind of listing heavy because they might need help. They might not have the time to do open houses at their listings every weekend. And typically teams will put their name on the multiple listing service. And as far as like refer, get referral fees, and oh, stuff, right. there's no, there's no re- referral fee or anything like that, right? No. Don't do it. Don't fall for <sighs> it. But it does say, it, what it, but one of the things that it says after the referral thing was um, any certain expectations before, during, or after. And I would assume yes. well, that was the what phone I was call say. and- Well, let me get there. But I know the answer. (laughs) Well, yes. So no, you do not compensate the person. You're actually like, I kind of look at it like you're doing me a favor if if I need help to do an open house. Um, So whoever you meet, those are your clients. You should get their information. I wouldn't pay a referral fee for that because you're actually doing the work and you're, it's hard work looking for the open house. Um, so uh, you don't have to worry about that. And I don't know anybody that's like charging yeah. referral right. fees. Right. I, I think it's probably a younger, newer agent that but this. Once you're um once you're done with the open house, the way that you say thank you and also get thought of again for an open house by that person is to immediately follow up after the open house and let them know how many people came through, how many people were seemed like real buyers um versus looky loos or neighbors, and give them some feedback to share with their seller. Yeah. If you do that and then make sure the house is clean, make sure it's locked up properly, don't leave anything behind like a sign writer or take a sign writer that's not yours or things like that, um, then then you will be doing them a favor and it will be looked at that way. And then you'll be like the next time they need one, they're going to be like, oh, you know who I should call? Right. So, well, so. and that's the the very last part of that question is, let me grab my phone, is uh, what should I give or offer to thank them Uh to let me hold the open house on their listing. So feedback, you see, like maybe a note card. After, a note card or a, an email saying thank you or anything like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the, I don't know that you need to, I don't think anybody's ever given me a thank you note. It'd be impressive if they did. I guess it would be impressive mm-hmm. if you sent like a thank you note card. So do that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but most of the time, the, what impresses me the most is the phone call. I I set the expectation now when people do things that I want that from them. But before I did that, um, anybody that did follow up, I was like, oh, thank you. Yeah. I can actually, I can actually It gives you an option to ask a question if needed. Yeah. But you connect with them on the phone more so than just reading their email. Yeah. And then, so yeah, if I were, if I were to start over and I found an open house to do, I would, um, as, as soon as I was done with it, I would call them, fill them in on feedback and how many people came through. And then I would put a note card in their mailbox. And then I would also send an email and say, thank you again so much. If you have any other listings that you want held open, please always consider me. And then I would reach out to them the following week and ask them if they had any listings because there was an agent and I think he still does pretty well for himself. And I'm pretty sure did like a lot of my open houses one year <laughs> because I, you, I can't be in every open house every weekend, you know? So you can really build an, a, a career out of just holding other people's open houses for them. Yeah. And, so, and sometimes it's not just buyers that come in. There's buyers and sellers or just a neighbor seller that by that's chance right. comes to the open. Yeah. So that's that's good. Okay. Great. Thank great, you. Great advice. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> nice job. Small wins, Kayla. Small win. I organized my garage this week. Oh, that's a tough one. It's, oh, it's a beautiful, so much beautiful weather, at least. Yeah, it was on Sunday because um, it was a sunnier day. No clouds in the sky. It was yeah, crazy. Yeah, it was nice. 
but you walk in and everything's just, I got new bins. I got a new shelving unit. Everything's organized and in a home. I just have to do the screws and nails and all those drill bit thingies now. Yeah. But I got a, I got a label maker to put on the container for them. <laughs> what else? Catherine? Can I say a small win that's happening later this week? Sure. Okay. My birthday is on Woo! Wednesday. And birthday's today. It'll this be today. dropping. <laughs> oh, yeah. My birthday is today. And the small win is that I survived another year. <laughs> How fun. I don't know any other small Now it can't wins. be your small win next week. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm not happy about it, but it is a small win. I'm still here. You're still here. It's Good insane. job. And I'm and- still sane. <laughs> Sort of. <laughs> what? <laughs> and my small win is I had been working on that logo for that big festival park that they're that uh, there's a company coming from California that they're putting in a big amphitheater park for bands. And I've been working on this logo with the corporate for a while. And we finalized the last details and it is officially finished. Nice. It took... I think I sat down and talked with them for the first time in, when was that? It was, I think we were in North Carolina when so I got- November. Yeah. So November was when I got the email from them to begin with. So it, and we just finished. And that's just the first logo because this is all pre, before they actually build the, the structure or anything like that. And then once it's actually finished, then I do the actual finished logo. The fin- well, the finished logo. Oh. This is like a logo like so that they can put on paperwork and stuff and have something like a working logo, something that they can use. Percent, but, the, yeah. but the actual real logo won't come until after this place is built two years from now. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long term. It's a long process. <laughs> Small win. So, hey, guys, remember to rate and review us on iTunes. It helps new listeners to find us. You can also send questions or stories to us at our website on seekingthebest.com. You can even leave us a voicemail and we will play it on the show. Send us a tweet at seekthebestpod. And for Kat, Kayla, and myself, thanks for listening. And we'll figure this all out next week. Adios. Bye. This has been a Think Live Be production.